0: Situated near Florence. He had a brother by Benedetto and a sister, Chieca. His, ident- his parents, the identity, of, the identity of his parents remained unknown, but it is widely assumed that he was born from a prosperous family where he had received training as an artist along with his brother. In the early of his life, Some suppose he was an apprentice by an artist called Lorenzo Monaco, a manuscript illuminator who was in high demand in Florence, but after looking at the artist before him and after him, he stands by himself, he stands alone out of all the other artists. And One reason why is because he's a priest, he's a Dominican, and he is living a different life from all the other artists who are also being commissioned to do art. And we're going to see that in his paintings. He was... Um, in 1423, Angelico entered the San Domenico of Fiesole as a friar alongside his brother, Benedetto, who was also an illuminator and a painter. At that time, he was given the name of Fra Giovanni di Fiosso, right, Fiosso? Anybody know Italian? Uh, Another artist from the 15th, uh, in the 1511, uh, Giorgio Vasari, claimed that Angelico never painted the crucifix without tears running down his cheeks. The Dominican Order at the time of Florence, at this time, was the leader in the intellectual and artist activity in Florence and was on the very verge of exercising its great influence. During the time of San Domenico, he painted illuminated choir books, altar pieces, with the de- Dominican con- uh, convent. Angelico's de- works demonstrated a loyalty to the Dominican idea, which revolved around the adoration of Christ and Mary. By the late 1420, the artist's sphere changed due to, to the plague, which happened in 1428. A lot of artists died, and Angelico became one of the leading artists in Florence. Garnering his attention to the wealthiest pay- private patrons in the city-state, he was highly sought after alongside his brother, Benedito. However, his brother was accidentally killed in the streets of a battle during one of the political upheavals in Florence, and his work was left unfinished around 1450. One more, one more note. As a Dominican, it's good to know too that um, as a Dominican in our constitution, the end we ought to pursue preaching and teaching. Hold on. Yeah, the end to which we ought to pursue preaching and teaching from the abundance and fullness of contemplation after the example of Holy Father Dominic you used to speak only of with God or of God for the great benefit of souls. So Frangelico is on the mission for the salvation of souls. That is, that is ingrained to his very person. Everything he's doing is for the salvation of souls, including his own. During his mature period in 1836, Pope Eugenius IV. Granted him ownership, granted the Dominicans ownership of San Marco to the Dominicans, where Fra Angelico created some of his most famous work. It's good to know he was truly gratuitous. He was a great gratuitous artist, and like most artists, most of his pieces he gave away because he found it beneficial for every Catholic to have artwork in, his, in, in, in their own homes. It took five, uh, let's see, um, in St. Domenico, or uh, uh, in St. Marco, it took five years to complete the frescoes and the altarpieces adorned with, covet, with the, in the convent, including the brother cells. He was then called to Rome, where he executed a number of works for Eugenius IV, the successor Pope Nicholas V, many of which were unfortunately destroyed, with the exception of fresco, the fresco and the chapel that depicts the lives of St. Stephen and Lawrence. So the Pope has his own chapel, and he was invited to go to Rome and paint for the chapel of the Pope. Little known is about his Angelico's life, that he was assumed the responsibility as a prior uh, of his old coven, a uh, convent in Fiesole, from about 1449 to '52. And during these years, Angelico likely fulfilled some commissions, including a silver chest. He then returned to Rome one last time before passing away in the Dominican convent of St. Marco. Uh, oh, I'm saying Santa Maria Sopra Minerva on February 18th, 1455, where he died. So what is a fraangelical icon? A fraangelical icon is different from an Orthodox icon because one thing about the Orthodox icons is they were piercing into heaven. They wouldn't have nothing to do what was on earth. So, Fra Angelico was painting what we call a Catholic icon. He was painting in the mystery of heaven on earth, and that's what we're going to see: heaven and earth become one for him, and the mysteries of Christ. Because of Christ's divinity and his humanity, they become, and because of our baptism, we become, uh, we become, we become. Uh, heaven becomes available or accessible to us because of Christ and the Eucharist and the Mass. An icon is what that pierces into both heaven and earth. And at the same time, the icons of Frangelico reveal to us a present, past, and future all at the same time. They communicate truth, at the same time, they also invite us to imitate. To, we, are invited back, we are invited into the icons themselves to inspire us. In some ways, we can say the icons in themselves are sacramental and that they are an outward sign that communicates to us an in inward grace. So you can see he's Fra Angelico is reading Saint Thomas Aquinas, but there are some tools we're going to need before we start looking at Fra Angelico's art. Some really simple tools. One is that with with Thomas Aquinas, one of the tools that Thomas Aquinas talks about in the Summa Theologiae, one uh, one seven, question seventy six, is this idea of hylomorphism, and hylomorphism is that idea by which Everything is soul and body. In other words, there are many forms we can take in in our life. You can take in the form of music and become a musician. You can take the form of and the art of the arts and become an artist. You can become take in the form of making food and become a chef. But there's many forms out there that can increase and flourishes our life. There's also other forms out there that can diminish our life. And so Frangelico is not painting modern art. He's painting an art that truly represents God's calling. Our God, I mean, God's calling us to share in his life. So... This is the idea of hylomorphism and a form is that which we call, which, which Aristotle will call an activating principle by which changes the nature. That's what happened. We t- when we take in a form of something, it changes us. So when we can become baptized, that baptism mark or spirit or form Changes us and configures us to the life of Christ. And eventually, it'll, uh, where it becomes, I. where St. Paul says, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives within me. Another idea of Frangelico, which you'll see in his icons, is the stages of the spiritual life. St. Thomas well explains the reason for the division when he says, the first duty, the first duty, which is incumbent on man, is to give up sin and resist concupiscence, which are opposed to charity. This belongs to the beginner, the purgative stage, and whose heart charity is to be nursed and cherished, lest it be corrupted. The second duty of man is to apply these, his energies chiefly to advance in virtue. This belongs to those who are making progress and who are principally concerned with that charity may be increased and strengthened in them. This is the illuminative stage. The third endeavor, pursuit of man, should be to rest in God and enjoy him. And it belongs to the perfect who desire to be dissolved and to be with Christ. When Bronzello paints the mysteries of Christ, he sees things in his icon. is very This is a very exemplary of his icon. So he sees the earth. He always paints the earth. And for the us, the earth is kind of a purgative stage. He paints what we call the illuminative stage. In the luminous stage, this is where we begin to share the life of Christ through baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist. the mysteries, all the mysteries of the rosary invites us into the life of Christ. Once you become baptized, you move from, you are invited into the life of Christ and you are called for the first time to live what we call a a supernatural life. because now you have access to Christ's divinity. You are now becoming one with Christ. And now only we are born, we re- were reborn. As we, as we are born into this world, he gives us a second birth through our baptism. And confirmation, it's an act of grace. It's by which we can act like Christ. We can do what he does in some ways and where christ even says if you believe in me you'll be able to do greater things than i or if you believe in me you'll be able to move mountains so christ is not holding anything back he wants us to believe in him and that grace will come in confirmation by which we become active and become participants in his life and to help these two graces grow he gives us the third grace, which is the Holy Eucharist, by which we receive strength and, nurtur- and nutrients to help us grow in our baptism and in our confirmation. So based upon these three, uh, based upon on these three sacraments, we are invited into the grace of sainthood. So Fra Angelico is painting. Everything he paints is in the luminous stage. And you he, will even go as far as painting what we call the unitive stage. And this is where two hearts become one. This is the, the, the church triumphant, the saints. And so when we celebrate mass, we're not celebrating mass down here When we celebrate mass, we are actually experiencing the unitive, we are are becoming illumined. Mass is happening up here because Christ is truly present in the Eucharist. And as a priest, and as a Dominican, and as a saint or a blessed on his way, he himself knows um, he's been invited into the spiritual life, and so he's going to paint that. And you'll see how he invites us into the, into the illuminative life. So the, the Orthodox icons, they, wanna, they would not have nothing to do with earth. Earth is too hard for them. So all they do is pierce into heaven without the earth. In this case, This is a San Marco. This is one of this is where he does most of his paintings that we receive are in San Marco. And here we can uh, the purgative stage. One thing about the purgative stage, he's still he's, we're still sharing in the purgative stage in the sense that in the purgative stage is there's a darkness about it where we're being led, you know. So as we follow Christ through his life you know, um, we are, too, are trying to figure things out. So everybody has to go through the purgative stage, even when you do the rosary. The rosary at the beginning is tough. No one really likes to do the rosary. You're, you're moving through what we call the purgative stage. And at the purgative end here, Frangelico, this is the cornerstone. This is truly the heart of Frangelico's artwork. He, Paints the Annunciation twelve over twelve times, and the reason why is because this is where man, this is where God becomes man. This is the heart of the Dominican Order. This is one of the greatest mysteries in the Dominican Order that we like to celebrate, which is the Annunciation. And then, and the Annunciation, uh, you celebrate that Mass. By the way, you receive the whole Christ in the Annunciation as Mary receives the whole Christ. And as Mary goes out, she is the first one to light the world on fire by taking Christ to John the Baptist. And we are called to share in her life to do the same thing. Once we receive Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, we're called to go out to light the world on fire. And this is the visitation where Mary goes sees Elizabeth, John the Baptist is jumping for joy and the womb of Elizabeth. Oh, this is a, sorry, it's a little out of order, but this is the marriage between Joseph and Mary. Below that Annunciation painting is this huge panoramic, Life of Mary. Here we have the Nativity. And the interesting about the Nativity is um, we see St. Dominic at the Nativity. One reason why is because he's, he's showing that the Dominican order is invited into the mysteries of Christ but he's also inviting us also into the mysteries of Christ um, through what we call the illuminative stage. The illuminative stage is when we become, where the mystery of the nativity becomes present to us, the birth of Christ. And this is where uh, Joseph, Mary, and Saint Dominic are in adoration. Mm -hmm. But then this is another artist in case you asked, does he have people to help him? He did have one follower, which is Benaziso, Benoso, ben- I think. Um, so his uh, partner uh, painted this one, which is the, uh, the Magi. And here, once again, he's inviting us to share in the life of the sacraments, the life of Christ. And once again, we see Saint Dominic in the right hand corner. This is Jesus teaching, probably at the Sermon on the Mount. And one thing you can't see it, but look, when we can see their faces, you're going to see that every saint is in contemplation. They're all contemplating the mysteries of Christ. The Last Supper. This is the. Um, this is the. Uh, what, Garden. the Garden of Gethsemane, the, uh, and here we have, uh, the two women who are contemplating about what about what's going to happen, and Jesus at the very top of the of the on the left hand side and the three are sleeping. And for Fra Angelico, this is the heart of most of his artwork. He will paint the crucifix over a hundred times. And one thing you can see is all the saints are present. Not just, not the people who are only present about the time of Christ, but we see St. Dominic, St. Benedict, they're all present at the crucifixion And as a priest, uh, he's aware of the fact that when we celebrate mass, this is what it looks like. When the scales are removed from our eyes, we see all the saints are there with us, with all the angels in all God's glory. And one thing we see, you can't see it now, but with Jesus, he's always in a contemplative state and he's always showing mercy and love towards the people who are below the cross. This is Mary. As you can see, Mary imitates her son. Her arms are outstretched. She not only is the heart of Christ pierced, but even her heart is being pierced as well. Uh, he, this is the, the resurrection where Christ, on that, on that Saturday, Christ goes and, re- and releases all those who are in the Old Testament. So hear, you're going to see more of the lumen of the stage, where even, even at the Annunciation, St. Dominic appears to be at the Annunciation. The Annunciation... I'm not sure where it says this, but St. Thomas Aquinas says it's easy to be a saint. All you have to do is say yes. And when, he, when we say yes, we're saying it in the yes of the fiat, which is Mary who says yes gives her whole life, her whole life to Jesus Christ. And her heart is only, only God, God alone. And here at the presentation, we have St. Catherine of Siena and St. Dominic. And as you can tell, they're everybody's in the contempla- is, a, and is a, a contemplative state. And this is the transfiguration. And you can see, these are all being, happening within the cells. these painting on the cell walls) And, everything. and here is St. Dominic, who is living what I call the illuminative life, because he himself is one of the prayers of St. Dominic, the nine ways of prayer. This is where he himself becomes the crucifer. He imitates Jesus on the cross. Because he knows his life is also transfigured, uh, configured to Jesus Christ. And then we see Mary, always at the left-hand side, praying. There's a close-up. This is another one of the cells, in one of the brother cells, uh, is to contemplate on Christ, on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And as you can see, there's always you'll see a skull every once in a while at the bottom of that cross, which is a reminder of, it is the skull of Adam and Eve, who at Golgotha, Jesus is, uh, um, he dies at the very spot where Adam and Eve are buried. This is uh, removing Jesus from the tomb once again. St. Dominic is now sharing in these mysteries of Christ. So when you say the rosary, you're putting yourself at the mystery. That's the purpose of the mystery of the rosaries. Once again, St. Dominic's at the left-hand side, contemplating the emptiness of the tomb. and the coronation of our mother with all the head orders uh, surrounding uh, the whole coronation event. This is a, uh, you'll have to look it up, but this is the Pope's Chapel. And this is the life of St. Lawrence and St. Stephen. He depicts the whole life all over the chapel, which is phenomenal. It's the most beautiful chapel ever. And yeah, so when when he was doing these things on the wall inside San Marco, he was doing them in fresco. So fresco is kind of like a mud. So as he's painting in the mud, he does not know what they're going to turn out as soon as it dries. And one thing about Fra Angelico is when he paints, he doesn't go back and fixes it. What's done is done. It's up, he leaves it to God's will. So he never retouches any of his artwork. And that's why you see Mary in a lot of these, uh, and Mary in a lot of these photos or pictures. She, uh, we get to see a different side of her every single time. There is a sense about Mary where we can't possess her and because she is a mystery and she's the one like her son who possesses us because she is our mother so uh, back in the in the orthodox it was their mission to make Mary kind of disfigured in an orthodox icon and one reason why they would make her disfigured is because they painted her according to how we see her not according to how she really is Because all the doctors of the church they recognize that she is the most beautiful woman God created, and the unitive stage is the stage where we see all the angels. So Angelico gets his name from uh, all the angels that he paints are uh, beautiful. In this painting, this is a, There are about two hundred and sixty-six saints he paints in this huge. Panoramic painting. And they're all in heaven. They're all in union with God. They all have stories. They're all, they, each saint is just not a, they all have a name, by the way. So he knows every, every saint is there from his time and before And usually in all the saints, they're carrying their instrument of how they died or what made them popular, you know. So I say Agnes will be be hugging a lamb. Uh, uh, St. Lucy carries her eyes. So every one of these saints are identified by the instrument that they carry. And they're all in deep contemplation. Here's another, uh, these, these are his crown pieces, by the way. I have no idea how he pulled it off with a, doing using fresco or using a tempera painting. The medium that he used is basically uh, egg tempera or he used mud, egg tempera mixed with mud and it became a fresco. So this, is the la- this would be the last judgment Again, at the crucifixion in gold. With all, with the saints present. And deep contemplation. And for for Angelico, he, Mary, was the hallmark. So Mary always gets the primacy of place. She's always the center. When he paints her, he's not showing her... uh, he shows very little of her skin. We don't see the female figure. And instead, she's clothed in a, in a kind of a uh, uh, saintly robes. You know, it, she's identified as a mother. Uh, I think today, sacred art paints her more, showing her womanly figure. Well, and one thing you can see too, Fra Angelico is. Uh, there's a sense that some claim that he was able to go into heaven and see all the the faces of the saints, according to Michelangelo. So that's what Michelangelo said. He was jealous because he was privileged to go into heaven and see the faces of the saints. And this is uh, his crown. His most glorious crown is the coronation. Where all the saints are all there. Um, this is what it says. Maybe if I have it, but superior to all the works of Fran Giovanni. And one of which he surpassed himself is the picture in the same church of San uh, Domenico Fiesole, near the door at the left hand of the entrance. In this work, he proves the high quality of his powers, as well a profound intelligence he possessed of the art at which he practiced. The subject of this is the coronation of the Virgin Jesus Christ, of the Virgin by Jesus Christ. The principal figures are surrounded by choirs of angels, among whom are vast numbers of saints and holy personages, male and female. These figures are so numerous and so well executed in their attitudes and varied. And the expression of the heads are so richly diversified that one feels infinite pleasure and delight in regards to them. Nay, one is convinced that blessed spirits and look no otherwise into heaven itself, or to speak under correction, could not, if they had forms, otherwise appear otherwise. For all the saints, male and female, are assembled here, not only of life and expression, most delicately and truly rendered, but the coloring also of the whole work seems to have been given the hand of a saint or of an angel like This is uh, something to think about, why Mary takes the privilege and why she takes the place that she does among Franja Luca's artwork. And another saint who was able to also kind of what pierce into the mystery of heaven and see Mary as she really is would be Louis de Montfort. So in the words of Louis de Montfort, he says this, um, <clears throat> It is through Mary the salvation of the world began, and it is through Mary that it must be consummated. God desires to reveal and show forth Mary the masterpiece of his hands in these times. He who finds Mary finds life, that is to say Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. It is therefore necessary that Mary be known more than ever to the greater knowledge of the glory of the Most Holy Trinity. And the biggest reason why the Holy Spirit does not perform magnificent marvels in the souls these days is that it does not find in them a sufficient union with his faithful and inseparable spouse. God the Holy Spirit desires to form the elect and in her, and through her, he says to her, put down your roots in my elect. I desire to find you again on earth. And this is the end. John Paul II, who writes on Frangelico says, the divine breath of the creator spirit reaches out to human genius and stirs its creative power he touches it with a kind of inner illumination which brings the sense of good and the beautiful. He awakens energies of the mind and heart, enables us to conceive an idea and give it a form and a work of art is what he says about Frangelicum. Any questions? What's that? I do. I do go back and retouch, I have to admit. I I could be better at that. I could just stop. Yeah. Yeah, some of them were on panels, some, a lot of them were on walls where he painted directly on the wall itself. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so the beauty about egg, have anybody, anybody likes eggs, eggs, egg egg over easy? Try an experiment tonight. Just leave your egg on the plate for About a couple of days, and then trying to scrub it off on the third day. It's impossible. It's impossible. So he painted with egg yolk, and that in itself preserved his, you know, he painted it in the 1400s, and his artwork is still preserved. A lot of it, a lot of it was destroyed and deteriorated because of uh, other reasons, but most of his work is intact. And you can see, like, one of the We had a, I talked to a woman who did, who went to San Marco, and she says, when you see his artwork at San Marco, it sparkles right off the wall. So it's still communicating grace when you see it in person.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I liked him from the very beginning because I knew I was an artist. But uh, I, 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 just, I chose to put everything away and decided to just focus on being a priest. And I do think it's, um, uh, you know, I can appreciate that because uh, one of the greatest mysteries as a priest is you are celebrating the Holy Eucharist. It is, uh, it is a, something to be contemplated on. We're always contemplating how we are chosen to celebrate the Eucharist and how our lives are transfigured into the life of Christ. So it would make sense that he himself was able to paint that so well and so beautifully because he himself was a priest. And I'm not sure anybody else been able to do that as a brother or as a married person or whatever, but he was able to, uh, not until about three years ago, I realized, I I think I always had a desire to paint for Angelico, but I kind of just dismissed it and put it away. Until about three or four years ago, where I decided, um, by divine providence, to pick it back up again, and then I did more of more of an experiment. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I always wonder that myself. Why, if Fran is doing, uh, well, to answer your question, yeah, some of his stuff had been restored, um, but not much of it. So, not, not very few people would ever touch his stuff. And the stuff that was restored was really early. So, like after he died, there's some pieces that he did not finish where they were, it was, the artists around him were able to restore and refinish some of his artwork. But since then, I don't know of anybody who's gone in and touched anything that he did or restored it. So I think it's being left as is until someone can come and do it. Uh, It it is a mystery to me, how he's been able to pull it off because using egg yolk or even uh, fresco, And doing huge murals on walls is mind-blowing. I'm not sure how he did it, to be honest. So a lot of the stuff, a lot of the old oils and stuff was very toxic. Um, with him, there's no dig blicks. There are no art stores. Uh, the degree and the, uh, the detailed work that he did was so precise and so intricate that, you know, you couldn't go to a brush store. I mean, and basically, you're picking off hairs off of a horse in order to pull something, pull something off like that. I mean, at that time, I'm not sure what he was using, but, I mean, horse hair is the best, they say. Um, And also, he had to mix all his pigments. So not only he had all the egg yolks, but he had to go find powder of natural substances by which he can mix and make up his own pigments, which is a lot of work. Yeah, I would say the one that I've seen since I've been an artist, so there's, so before I was an artist, I didn't appreciate it. I was not able to appreciate him as much as I do now, but now as an artist, and after copying his stuff, the one that I've seen so far is just the Assumption, which is now, that's the only piece that's in the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Um, so, and it is incredibly detailed. They are all. All their faces are completely in a contem- contem- contemplative state, and it's very beautifully done. So as you look around at others around his, um, they don't have that kind of quality. So you can tell this man was. A, you can tell he was a. That's the other thing too. That everybody around him, uh, including Saint Antoninus, uh, Saint John. Uh, Giovanni Domenici, who was the prior, St. Antoninus is the one who invited him to St. Marco to start painting. So he was responsible for that. But everyone around him was he was holy, incredibly holy. You know, nothing was ill written about his life. Um, So you can see that in his artwork. You can see the holiness that was poured into it. And also just the detailed how he paints the mother of God, there is a sense that he was really contemplating heaven. In some sense, he was able to even, I don't know, go to heaven, but I don't know how he was able to perceive glory upon glory upon glory. And there is a sense that you you want to be part of it. You're invited to be a part of it. It doesn't look foreign to us. It, if anything, it's attracting us to the glory of God. So, But um, I've only seen... The assumption since I've been painting To be honest. Yeah. I know that a lot of people No Yeah, no, no. I mean no, he that's what I think that's why um Looking at modern sacred art, sacred art, as one of my biggest critiques is they're using people, uh, regular people, and putting wigs on them or putting a veil on them, and then calling them, Mag- you know, Saint Mary Magdalene, Magdalene, or uh, there's there's a they're too human, they're too close to the earth, and so and he was right in the middle, you know, so he's not painting. Like the Orthodox, where they look, they don't look human somewhat because everything's posterized, everything's mathematically configured. He's painting these his saints have flesh. There's kind of an, something imperfect, but something real about them. And as you come closer to them, you can see that they're they're very much like us. But as you can see, their robes have no wrinkles. So that's how we know they're in, they're in a uh, they're saints because there's not going to be any irons or wrinkles in heaven. So just so you know, uh, we will never have to iron our clothes. But uh, and that's the way he's painting. He's painting with flowing garments. You know, there's something angelic, there's so- not angelic, but there's something heavenly about the look of the saints, and they still have flesh, you know. So, um, so he is painting between heaven and earth. Uh, in the sense that the saints have now come down. The saints are walking around among us. It's what what, kind of what he's revealing to us. So... Yeah, he, they, they, they. So, all right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say no because we don't have any. Defini- we don't have anything definitive, but we do see the artists of his time around him, and you know they're using kind of the same pigments and everything. But uh, they do um, point him to one of these illuminators um, who is doing illumination inside choir books, and so That's that's probably the closest they got. Of finding someone who was an apprentice to him. Now his, his his brother was just as great as he was, but since he, he passed away, he wasn't able to. Uh, they said that he his brother could have been right there with him, you know, as far as painting these multitudes of paintings and frescoes and everything like that. But uh, so, but his his brother died, so they both were trained as artists. They both were illuminators at the beginning, and. He just took off and did something completely new as far as painting huge mural, mural icons. So Great. Um, And he has the same mission. He is, he's trying to communicate the desire to be a saint. He's all about the salvation of souls. And back then this, this was the Netflix and Instagram, Facebook, it's all right here <laughs> with Ron Jellico. So anyway, you can get up, ask questions. I'll be happy to speak to you.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much, Father Dominic. I'll ask you if you could maybe end us in a prayer and a blessing in a minute. Um, so this concludes our series on Dominican Saints. Uh, as you know, there are many more. It's kind of went, kind of try to cover in the introduction. Um, maybe some other series will cover some others, but hopefully this gives you a good introduction. Uh, we won't have any Tuesday night class next week, so it'll just be kind of a break. But two weeks from now, we will have movie night here. So that's when we're showing the movie Prey. It will be an official screening. And so we'll, we'll, kind of cre- we'll create a movie theater-like experience in here. You're all encouraged to come. We're encouraging people to RSVP, so you could just call or email Retta in the, the office. Uh, we won't turn anybody away, though, if they, if they come and they're not on the list. Um, we just want to kind of know how many people are coming. So tell other people about it. We want to have a lot of, I've, I've not seen the film, but I've heard it's very powerful. Um, and it could really inspire a lot of people to, to pray the rosary or more devoutly. Ah, it's about Father Peyton, who is a 20th century priest and who promoted prayer and especially promoted family prayer. So it's, I, I think it's kind of documentary like, but it also has just a powerful message about prayer and family prayer. So it should be a great inspiration. Um, so the uh, our summer brothers, we thank them for presenting a couple of weeks ago, Saint, on St. Margaret of Costello. They're leaving on Friday. So um, so they'll be, they'll be with us for a couple more days. Um, and I think that's all. So why don't you if maybe you can give us your uh, lead us in a final prayer and blessing. Thanks, Father Dominic.
0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. To the impetus of my hands, may Almighty God send his Holy Spirit upon you. May he fill you with every grace and blessing. We ask the Holy Mother of God that she may uh, reign as queen of peace over our body, soul, and spirit. May she lead us, guide us, and guard us, and to the grace of holiness to become saints. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.